2 Chronicles chapter 22. 2 Chronicles 22, as we continue our series on the good, the bad, and the ugly, looking at the kings of Israel and um, Judah. Uh, again, we'll do, a, we'll do a quick recap because we, we missed last week. So at, after Solomon's reign, the kingdom split into two. And we have the northern kingdom of Israel, uh, where Samaria was the capital set up by um, Omri. And we had the southern kingdom of Judah, with Jerusalem as its capital. Jeroboam, who was Solomon's servant, um, ended up being the first king of Israel. Rehoboam, who was Solomon's son, ended up being the first king of the southern kingdom of Judah. Um, so we saw the kingdom split. These are not to scale, okay? So when you see these, the, the arrows are not to scale. The, the years are just in there. So we see who is reigning where and when. So we had Rehoboam and Jeroboam reigning at the same time. Rehoboam in the south, Jeroboam in the north. During Jeroboam's reign in the north, Rehoboam, Abijah, and Asa were on the throne. Asa was the first good king that Judah had. Israel, the northern kingdom, will never have a good king. The southern kingdom of Israel will only have eight good kings in its history. So during the reign of Asa, Asa the good king reigned for 41 years. During that time, you had all of this going on in the northern kingdom. Um, Jeroboam reigned, and then Nadab, his son, took over. And Baasha killed Nadab, so the dynasties changed. And then Baasha and Elah reigned. Elah was Baasha's son. Zimri was Elah's servant. He killed Baasha. What's Zimri famous for? He only reigned for one week, seven days. Um, so we had Zimri reign for seven days. And then we had the start of a real wicked dynasty. Omri um, reigned. And the kingdom did split when Omri took the throne because Omri reigned and Tibni reigned at the same time. Um, but we kind of focused more on Omri. Um, and then um, Ahab is sent to over, and then during Ahab's reign, Jehoshaphat was on the throne of the southern kingdom. So Jehoshaphat was Asa's son. Jehoshaphat was a good king as well, but he compromised. Remember, he strengthened himself, then he aligned himself, and then he joined himself. So he allowed his son Jehoram to marry Ahab's daughter Athaliah, and that was. Just as wicked a combination as Ahab and Jezebel was. So, after Ahab died, Ahaziah came to the throne. He only reigned for two years. And then his brother, Jehoram, came to the throne. And he reigned for 12 years. During Jehoram's reign in the north, Jehoram, Jehoshaphat's son in the south, was also on the throne. And to make matters worse... Jehoram's son Ahaziah also reigned just after his uncle Ahaziah reigned in the north. Are you with me so far? Okay, so the king we're going to look at today is Ahaziah. So Jehoram is still on the throne in the northern kingdom because um, he reigned for 12 years. And if you remember, um, Jehoram was the king of confusion because his name means Jehovah is exalted. He saw incredible victories. I tell you what, I, I wish more people had commented on the Facebook post that um, um, Alex put up this week. It was incredible. Um, asking who do you remember from this series? Because it was really interesting then to see the people comment and say, oh, I like this king because, oh, you know, this king spoke to me because. Um, if you missed that post, Go back and have a look at it, and it just really did challenge. And it was interesting as well to see the post they put up on Instagram to see if you could remember who reigned when. I thought that was a really good poll as well. It was interesting to see who got that right and who got it wrong. But not everybody had access to who got it wrong, only the people who were responsible for the social media stuff, so I know speak to you after. Um, so anyway, um, they are the kings that have reigned so far. So Jehoram uh, was the king of confusion. Jehovah should be exalted. He saw all of these victories um, and this interaction with Elisha. And then uh, in the southern kingdom, Jehoram, the king of violence. 
He's the one that married Athaliah. And if you remember, he just killed everyone. He wiped out his family, any um, uh, uh, other kind of threat to the throne he got rid of. He was the king of violence, and he's the one that died a horrendous death. The Bible simply says, and his bowels fell out. Um, What an awful way to go. So after Jehoram died, his son, um, the offspring of Jehoram and Athaliah, Ahaziah, came to the throne. So that's the family link. Jehoshaphat allowed his son Jehoram to marry Ahab's daughter Athaliah, and as a result of that union, Ahaziah was born. And if you like, Ahaziah was the perfect picture of an ungodly union. He was, his life was the perfect picture of what happens when you try to amalgamate light with darkness, when you try to amalgamate the spiritual with the unspiritual, when you try to amalgamate, if you like, the, um, the flesh uh, with, the, with, the, uh, with the spiritual, when you try to amalgamate the, 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 the worldly with the heavenly. It does not mix. And there's always a consequence when we try and walk two paths. You cannot please all the people all the time. If you're trying to please the world and the Lord at the same time, it won't work. There'll be a consequence. If we are trying to kind of allow certain sins into our life when we know the Lord says not to do it, there's going to be a consequence. And we see that in Ahaziah's um, life. In effect, he became the king of default. Because, if you remember, um, a part of the curse pronounced against Jehoram was not only the illness that he would suffer, but the fact that his family would be kind of um, wiped out. And we saw um, the enemies. Remember, we saw that Edom kind of came, um, yeah, Edom, uh, Moab, the Philistines, they kind of came against um, Jehoram, even though they'd had peace uh, amongst their neighbors since David. Uh, and, and as a result, pretty much Ahaziah is the only one left. Um, but it's interesting that the decisions that Ahaziah is going to make is going to affect the generations that come after him. And every decision we make as believers will always affect somebody. Uh, decisions we make as parents will affect our children. The way in which we walk with the Lord in the in the workplace will affect how people view the Lord. What we allow to come into our lives will always have some kind of consequence. Um, And we see that Ahaziah is the king of consequences. 2 Chronicles chapter 22, and it says in verse 1, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem made Ahaziah his youngest son king in his stead. And if you remember, Jehoram Um, the the people didn't care that Jehoram was dead. They didn't give him a burial. They just kind of moved on quickly because of the type of person he was. And they made Ahaziah, his youngest son, king in his stead. For the band of men that came with the Arabians to the camp had slain all the eldest. So Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, reigned. Forty and two years old was Ahaziah when he began to reign. And he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Athaliah, the daughter of Omri. He also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother was his counselor to do wickedly. Wherefore, he did evil in the sight of the Lord like the house of Ahab, for they were his counselors after the death of his father to his destruction." He walked also after their counsel and went with Jehoram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, to war against Haziel, king of Syria, at Ramoth-Gilead, and the Syrians smote Joram. He returned to be healed to Jezreel because of the wounds which were given him at Ramah when he fought with Hazel, king of Syria. And Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Jehoram, the son of Ahab, at Jezreel because he was sick. And the destruction of Ahaziah was of God by coming to Jehoram, for he was come. He went out with Jehoram against Jehu, the son of Nimshi, whom the Lord has anointed to cut off the house of Ahab. And it came to pass that when Jehu was executing judgment upon the house of Ahab, he found the princes of Judah and the sons of the brethren of Ahaziah that ministered to Ahaziah, he slew them. And he sought Ahaziah, and they caught him, for he was hid in Samaria, and brought him to Jehu. And when they had slain him, they buried him. Because, said they, he is the son of Jehoshaphat, who sought the Lord with all his heart, so that the house of Ahaziah had no power to keep, till, uh, keep still the kingdom. 
Father, we pray and ask you a blessing upon the reading of this word. We pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning and help us, Lord, as we try to apply this scripture to our own lives, Lord. We recognize that everything we do has an impact on those that follow behind us, Lord, and everything that we do can have a consequence in the, in the days, weeks, months, and even years ahead. So, Father, we pray you'd help us to diligently seek you a face, Lord, as we study the scripture to show ourselves approved that you would speak to our hearts so we might walk worthy of the vocation with which we've been called, and we'd be mindful to give you the glory for that, Lord. So we just ask now that whatever the need is here today, needs would be met, burdens would be lifted, and that the Lord Jesus Christ would be exalted. So we pray and ask these things in his most precious and wonderful name. Amen. So Ahaziah is the offspring of yet another power couple, and that is Jehoram and Athaliah. Uh, and they are a leaf out of the book of Ahab and Jezebel. Um, so Ahaziah um, is not much given uh, uh, about Ahaziah other than um, his death. Um, but he only reigned for one year. So he couldn't have accomplished that much in that length of time. Um, but the Bible teaches us something about this man, um, even though, like I said, he only reigned for one year. Now then, if you read in Kings, because if you remember, Kings tends to focus on the northern kingdom and only includes the southern kingdom um, when um, they interact with the north. Chronicles more focuses on David's dynasty. So Chronicles is what focuses more upon um, the house of David. Now in Kings, we are told um, that Ahaziah was only 22 when he came to the throne. And that's in 2 Kings chapter 8 and verse 26. Now this says um, that he was 42. 40 and 2 years old was Ahaziah. Um, but it's not a contradiction. How old was he? Was he 22 or was he 42? Um, most people agree that he was 22. Um, and that the 42, it's not that he was 42 years old when he came to the throne, but it, um, it could be, I don't want to say better translated, but it, it basically means a son of 42 years, which relates back to the alliance between Jehoshaphat's house and Omri's house. Um, the alliance of those kingdoms, as it were, um, has been going for 42 years. So Ahaziah was only 22 years when he came to the throne. Um, he couldn't have been 42 because when you work out then the age of Jehoram, and it, it would be impossible. So there has to be an explanation. It's not a contradiction because the Bible does not contradict itself. Um, but the, um, you know, the, the rendering there is that Ahaziah was a son of this wicked dynasty that has been going for 42 years. Okay, so the first thing we see is that Ahaziah took some advice. Um, three times we see in, in this short passage that he took counsel. Um, he walked in the ways of uh, the house of Ahab. His mother was his counselor, verse 3. It also says in verse 4 that the house of Ahab were his counselors. In verse 5, he walked also after their counsel. So we see three times that Ahaziah was willing to listen. He, he was a good listener. Um, but he was listening to the wrong people. His mother was his counselor. Can we say this? Ahaziah was a mammy's boy. Everything his mother said must be true. Let me ask this question. Any mother's boys in today? Nobody willing to admit it. I'm a mommy's boy. I'd always go to mom first before dad. So, and my dad always says, oh, blue-eyed boy. Yeah, I'm happy with that. I'll take that as a, as a compliment. But Isaiah, he needs to kind of stand up for himself. Everything his mother said, um, he just listened to, and it wasn't the right counsel. She was ambitious. How do we know she was ambitious? Because she told her husband to take out his family. Remember how clever Jehoshaphat was when he placed strategically his sons all around the kingdom to strengthen the kingdom? Athaliah comes along and says, no, we're not having this. Let's get rid of the competition. 
So we know what type of person she was. She was ambitious. We know that she was idolatrous. And she continued to promote the worship of Baal, just like her parents had before her. We know that she was self-serving. She only thought about herself. We know that she was bloodthirsty. The problem is she had Ahaziah's ear. Can I say this to you, that there's too much instances in the world today where Christians listen to the wrong people. The amount of times that I've heard people say, oh yeah, but I heard on the internet. Facebook is not our Bible. Too many people have access to promote too much nonsense on the internet. Facebook is not fact. If you are having a time of difficulty and you are struggling, can I say this to you? Go to the Facebook before you go to Facebook. Go to the first original Google search engine on the planet and find out what you need to know in God's word. Ahaziah was listening to the wrong advice. It says in verse 4 that he was listening to the counsel of the house of Ahab. And as a result... He did evil in the sight of the Lord. You know, he would have been well aware of what his grandfather did, of what his grandfather achieved, of what his grandfather taught. But instead of following the example of his grandfather, Jehoshaphat, he follows the example of his mother and then his other grandfather. He took advice from the house of Ahab. We know what Ahab was like. We know um, what Elijah did during the time of Ahab because of the wickedness of Ahab and Jezebel. We know um, that the the rain was stopped for three and a half years. The famine that came upon the land. We know uh, the, 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 the battle that took place on Mount Carmel. We know exactly the type of person that Ahab was. We know exactly the type of person that Jehoshaphat was. You couldn't have got, got two diametrically opposed people uh, than Jehoshaphat and Ahab, and yet Ahaziah is listening to the advice of his, his grandfather on his maternal side rather than the advice of his grandfather grandfather on the paternal side. Ahaziah reminds us how important it is to be careful with the type of of advice that we take. Have you ever noticed maybe sometimes in, in work you kind of chew the fat with people and you're looking for help and they give you advice and then maybe you go and speak to a Christian And they'll give you exactly the opposite advice. Why? Because one is worldly advice and one is spiritual advice. But sometimes the worldly advice perhaps might be more attractive. Might even be the easier option. But it doesn't mean that it's the right advice. That it's the right option. The psalmist said in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. But sometimes the ungodly counsel can appear to make more sense. Sometimes the ungodly counsel can appear to be more attractive, can appear to be the the path of least resistance. But we're told that the man is blessed who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, that doesn't stand in the way of sinners, that doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. Job said that the counsel of the wicked is far from me. Be careful to the advice that you listen to. We've already seen what the wrong advice can do. We saw Rehoboam take the advice of the young men over the advice of the the older, wiser men, and he ripped the kingdom in two. You know, for the youngsters in the church, make the most of the advice from those who are older and wiser. You know, sometimes it's interesting talking to, you know, to our girls now, and, and, and they said, you know what, when we were younger, we, we, we didn't really appreciate some of the stuff that you said to us, but then when we were older and we kind of recognized where you were coming from and what you were saying, then the wisdom made sense. Some of the older people that have been through the difficulties that we might be facing... Some of the older people have got far more wisdom. And we need to make the most of that advice. 
We've seen what the counsel of the ungodly does. And it ripped the kingdom in two. You know, Isaiah didn't have an excuse. He saw what the one grandfather's kingdom was like. And he saw what the other grandfather's kingdom was like. Would we take advice from those who were unsaved? Would we take advice from people who simply say the Bible's full of contradictions? Would we take advice from people who say that all Christians are hypocrites? Would we take advice from people that say, well, God is just mean because he allows all these people to suffer? Would we take advice from people who say that God doesn't even know what he's doing? When we put it like that, we'd say we'd never take advice from those type of people. But you'd be surprised at how many Christians take advice from those who in all honesty don't know what they're talking about, especially when it comes to spiritual matters. Jesus said this, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. We need to be careful who we take advice from. We see that Ahaziah is the marriage, if you like, or is the result of the marriage between light and darkness. We see Ahaziah being the result of the marriage between good and evil. We see Ahaziah being the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, the result of the, the spiritual and the unspiritual coming together. And it doesn't work. Be careful who you take advice from. Not only do we see the advice that he took, but we see the alliances that he made. In verse 4, wherefore he did evil in the sight of the Lord, like the house of Ahab, for they were his counselors after the death of his father to, their destruction, to his destruction. And uh, he took advice from their counselors, and that was his destruction. Um, he walked also after their counsel and went with Jehoram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, to war against Hazael, king of Syria, at Ramoth-Gilead, and the Syrian smote Jehoram. Ahaziah had an affinity for his mother's side of the family. It was nothing for him to make an alliance with king Jehoram of Israel, not to be confused with his dad, king Jehoram of Judah. We see in verse 5 that Isaiah accompanied Jehoram into battle again. Why hasn't he learned from the mistakes of the past? He saw, he would have known what happened when his grandfather, or when his two grandfathers got together and battled together. Remember, Ahab disguised himself and kind of pushed Jehoshaphat, with just, with dressed Jehoshaphat up as the king. So he's the target, and Ahab kind of disguised himself and held himself back. Ahaziah would have known that this doesn't mix. This doesn't work. But he's not learned from the mistakes of the past. In the heat of this battle, Jehoram is wounded and he retires uh, to a palace at Jezreel to recover. And Ahaziah comes up out of, uh, or accompanies him there. Um, and obviously these two were quite close. Ahaziah is king of Judah. Um, one who sat in the line of David should never have aligned himself with a figure like Jehoram. But he did. Remember that Jehoram was the king of confusion. Jehoram in the northern kingdom was the one who should have been exalting the Lord because of uh, what he received, but he didn't. You know, there's an old saying that you are the company that you keep. Who you hang around with, you will start acting like. You know, it was amazing um, this week to watch. Um, you know, Lily is just a copycat. Um, it was incredible. I, I put it in her car seat one day, and I just kind of looked at the time to see what time it was. And she looked at me and then just like looked at her wrist. And then I put, I put my hands on my hips. And she just caught me, put her hands on her hips. So I'm like, right, fold my arms. She folded arms. You are the company that you keep. You know, the more you're around somebody, the more you, you talk like them, the more you, you speak like them. You know, I, this is going to sound awful now. I've only ever called my mother Mum. M-U-M. That's what I've called her. I didn't even know Mum existed. I, did, I think I did a dad call his mother Mum. 
but I've only ever called my mother mum. And then I met Jo, and she only ever refers to her mother as mum. And then sometimes I call my mum mum, and sometimes I call my mum mum, and sometimes and I get confused. But that's Jo's fault. Because she's corrupted what used to be a perfect speech. You are like the people you hang around with. Have you ever noticed yourself saying things that you've heard from somebody else? Daniel hates it when me and Joe visit. Not because he hates us, but because he hates who Hannah becomes. Because when we go home, he can't understand Hannah again. Because she talks properly like she's meant to talk, like us. And it takes a while then for her to get that American twang back so that poor old Daniel can understand her once again. When he first met us, he thought we were just talking in tongues because we were talking so fast. And he's like, you are who you hang around with. If you hang around with believers, then they ought to encourage you in your walk. They ought to challenge you in your walk. But if you hang around with unsaved people, and I understand that we can't do anything about that when we're in work. But the more time we spend with those in the world, the more opportunity that has to rub off on us. You are the company you keep. Proverbs 13.10 says, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. And we need that wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. We need to apply what we know from the scripture to our hearts and lives so that we make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. You are the company you keep. What a simple rule for wisdom. Get rid of foolish friends. Don't hang around with people that are going to affect your walk with the Lord in a negative way. That are going to affect your walk with the Lord to tell you how stupid it is and how daft it is. Because eventually you'll start listening to that wisdom. Oh yeah, but I can change them. You can't change them. Only the Lord can change them. When you grow in wisdom, then we learn to avoid trouble in life. Sometimes we need to remove certain things from our life. We need to remove certain people from our sphere, you know, from their sphere of influence over us. It's difficult, I understand that. But um, the Bible says, be not deceived. Evil communication corrupt good manners. You know, we often use that verse, be not unequally yoked. With unbelievers, and we use that as a, a you know as a reference to those dating. To don't marry somebody who's unsaved. But that applies to all of us. Not to yoke up with somebody that's going to affect our walk in a negative sense. The warning about deception is to help us. Because we don't always see the danger in the company we keep. Why would we? Our our basic Nature is to want to be liked. It's to want to have, you know, that, that group of friends that we can call on all the time. But sometimes we sacrifice the spiritual in order to obtain something that appeals more to our flesh. You look at Lot. A prime example. You know, Abraham and Lot came together and said, right, you know, we, we, we can't kind of live together. Lot, you choose where you want to go. And he saw Sodom. And we see the influence that Sodom had on Lot. Now, it didn't change his relationship with the Lord because the Bible refers to him as, a, as just Lot. You know, that for all intents and purposes, a reference to the fact that Lot knew the Lord and in modern day language, you'd say that Lot was saved. Just Lot. But it affected his lifestyle. And as a result... He was more like Sodom rather than Sodom being more like Lot. You know, the best thing parents could, and, and this, is, this is what's hard today, you know, with, with social media and with our kids having so much access to the internet because you don't know who they're talking to. You know, the stories that I've heard of, of young girls, literally, you know, seven, eight, nine-year-old girls 
who are talking to somebody online, thinking they're talking to a, a somebody of their own age, and they're talking to 40, 50-year-old men who are perverted. And are even kind of enticing them to meet up with them. And you're like, what is this world coming to? You know, before you, you, you kind of hang out with people in the street and your parents would literally kind of give them the third degree, who you bother them with. Well, you don't bother with them because we, we know the family that they come from, so you're not allowed to bother with them. They're a bad influence. But you can bother with them because they're a good influence. I was the one that nobody was allowed to bother with when I was little. <laughs> don't bother with him. His family's all right, but he's not. But we need to be careful with who our kids are talking to, especially when it comes to online stuff. Because there's just too many wicked people out there. You know, there's a, a truth in the saying, birds of a feather. And we need to make sure our, our kids are not flocking together with the wrong kind of people. And we need to take a look at the company that we are keeping. So we see the advice he took. He took the advice from the wrong people. He listened to his mother and his mother's side of the family, and that was only going to lead to his destruction. Not only did he take that advice, he joined together with the wrong people. He aligned with the wrong side of the family, and we see the aftermath that he caused. In verse 7, the destruction of Ahaziah was of God by coming to Jehoram. Because Ahaziah aligned himself with the wrong people, because Ahaziah took the wrong advice from the wrong people, we are told that the destruction of Ahaziah came from God because of that alliance, because of the advice that he took. He went out with Je Jehoram against Jehu, the son of Nimshi, who the Lord had appointed to cut off the house of Ahab. And it came to pass that when Jehu was executing judgment upon the house of Ahab and found the prince of Judah and the sons of brethren of Ahaziah that ministered to Ahaziah, he slew them. And he sought Ahaziah, and they caught him, for he was hid in Samaria, and brought him to Jehu. And when they had slain him, they buried him because it said they, he is the son of Jehoshaphat who sought the Lord. Now listen to this. Jehu and the northern kingdom knew that Jehoshaphat was a godly king. They knew that he was the one that sought the Lord. They knew that he was the one who taught uh, Judah all about the Lord. So there's no excuse for Ahaziah to not know the same information about his own grandfather. Jehu and the northern kingdom knew who Jehoshaphat was, that he sought the Lord with all his heart. So the house of Ahaziah had no power to keep still the kingdom. Spoiler alert. We're going to be looking at Jehu next week. Jehu basically kills everyone. Yet again, we see another change in dynasty in the northern kingdom. The house of Omri, Ahab, Ahaziah, and Jehoram are coming to an end. And Jehu... Um, is going to take over the northern kingdom. As these two kings rested, as Ahaziah is pampering Je uh, um, Jehoram, as Ahaziah uh, is uh, in his uncle's company, um, Jehu has been sent by the prophet Elisha to take out Jehoram and end the dynasty of Omri. If Ahaziah wasn't there, Ahaziah's reign on the throne would have been longer. You ever been in the wrong place at the wrong time? You know, you get a reputation sometimes when you're naughty as a, as a youngster and you get blamed for stuff that even you didn't do. And the amount of times that I was in the wrong place at the wrong time when somebody else had done the dirty deed because before, yeah, it would have been me, but being in the wrong place at the wrong time and getting blamed for stuff you didn't do that's hard sometimes. Can't even take credit for it because it wasn't my idea. Can't take credit for it because it wasn't me who threw the stone. I can't take credit for it because it wasn't me. But you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. You shouldn't have been there. If you weren't there, you wouldn't have been in trouble. 
Ahaziah was in the wrong place at the wrong time. If he was where he was supposed to be, if he hadn't taken the advice of the, the, the council from the house of Ahab, then that wouldn't have been his destruction. If he hadn't gone with Jehoram to fight, it wouldn't have been his destruction. If he wasn't in Jehoram's house at this time, he wouldn't have had this destruction. Here's the thing. Both Ahaziah and Jehoram were descendants of Ahab. And Ahab's house would come to an end. Ahaziah died having ruled in Judah for just one year. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. There's always a consequence to sinful activities in our lives. The consequences of Ahaziah's sin, though, weren't just physical, they were spiritual. Have a look at Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, we have the Lord's family tree. We have this chronology that traces Christ's line all the way back to David and then all the way back to um, Abraham. And uh, we'll go from um, verse 6 where Jesse begat David the king and David the king begat Solomon. Um, and then in verse 7, Solomon begat Rehoboam. Rehoboam begat um, Abijam or Abijah. Uh, Abijam begat Asa. Asa begat Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat begat Jehoram. And Jehoram begat Uzziah. Or Uzziah. Who did Jehoram begat? Who was Jehoram's son? Ahaziah. But it says that Jehoram begat Uzziah. There are three kings missing in that genealogy. Ahaziah, Joash, and Amaziah. That was the line. Jehoshaphat begat Jehoram. Jehoram had Ahaziah. Ahaziah's son was Joash, who was a good king. We're going to look at him in a few weeks. And Joash begat Amaziah. Along with Ahaziah, Joash, Amaziah, and Athaliah, Ahaziah's mother, how many generations is that? I'll give you a clue. Oh, good shout. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 5 says, Then shall not bow thyself down to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Because of that sin, there's four generations missing from the Lord's genealogy. Ahaziah, um, jo- um, Joash, and Amaziah, along with Athaliah, um, Ahaziah's mother. Ahaziah's left out of the genealogy. He's not counted in the royal line. He's not counted as an, or marked as an ancestor of Christ. Why? Because he aligned himself and identified himself with the northern kingdom of Israel. He aligned himself with the house of Ahab rather than aligning himself with the house of David, with the house of Jehoshaphat. He's a reminder to everyone that the ultimate sanction against sin is to have a name unrecorded from God's book. There are two books kept in heaven. There is the book of life, And there is the Lamb's book of life. When you are conceived, your name is written in the book of life. Not when you're born, because life doesn't start at birth, regardless of what pro-choice people will say. Life begins at conception. When you are conceived... You are written in the book. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written. Which in continuance were fashioned. When as yet 
there was none of them. From the moment of conception, you are uh, um, even one cell of human tissue. Your name is recorded in God's book. But if you die, never having made things right with God, never having accepted Christ as your Savior, then your name is blotted out of that book. That's the book of life. Just as Isaiah's name was blotted out of the line of Christ. Exodus 32 says, Yet now if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. And the Lord said unto Moses, And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Revelation 3, 5 says, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So you can have your name missing from God's book. Look at Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. And verse 12. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 12. It says, His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is 20. Verse 12. <laughs> And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Those whose names are not in that book, those whose names have been blotted out, are cast into the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 22 says, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine um, for, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations to it, and there shall in no wise enter into any of it that defileth, neither whosoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Do you see what is happening this is called double accounts. This is double account bookkeeping. There are two books. One is the book of life, which every single name is written in upon conception. Then there is the Lamb's book of life, where every single name is written in for those who've accepted Christ as their Savior. For those who reject Christ as their Savior, their name is blotted out of this book. So at the end of time, the two books will marry up. Every name in this book will match every name in this book. God will make no mistake. Isaiah's name was blotted out. Why? Because of the advice that he took. Because of the alliance that he made. And the aftermath was the fact that his name is not recorded in the book. Now, I understand that once you accept Christ as your Savior, no man can take you out of the Father's hand. He doesn't add you into this book and then take a, a rubber, no, I'll take you out of that book now and put you back in this book. Oh, you, you've, you've accepted it again. No, I'll take you out of this book and put you back in that book. No, once you're in this book, you're in this book. But in order to get to this book, you've got to accept Christ as your Savior. Do you know him as your savior today? If you're here and you do, praise the Lord. If you're watching online and you don't, then you need to accept Christ before it's too late. Is your name in the book? When the role is called up yonder, will your name be called out? Because it's in the Lamb's book of life. 
If you reject Christ as your Savior, then the Bible's clear. He'll blot your name out of the book. He'll remove it. Oh, but that's not fair. Well, it's not fair. God has given you an opportunity to go to heaven. It's not God that kind of turns around and says, yeah, well, I don't want you there. It's man that turns around and says, I don't need that. I don't need to accept Christ. I don't need that crutch. I, I, I don't need uh, that in my life. I don't need that fairy tale. Then your name is removed from the book. God doesn't send people to hell. People choose to go to hell by rejecting the sin. But that's not fair. But it's so simple. It's not rocket science. You know, you don't have to have a degree in quantum physics to understand that Christ died for our sins. And if we accept what he did for our sins, we go to heaven. That's simple enough for even a child to understand. Do you know how much easier it is to witness to children than it is to witness to adults? Because you tell a child that you've done naughty things and Jesus loved you enough to die on the cross and he wants you to go to heaven. They're like, oh, cool. I recognize that I'm naughty and I recognize that Jesus died for us. And it's simple childlike faith. But when you get older, it's like, yeah, but what about those tribes in South America? You are not going to stand before the great white throne judgment seat and say, but God, what about the tribes in South America? You're going to say, God, what about me? Yeah, but why is there so much evil in the world? There's evil in the world. We understand that. But if we trust Christ as our Savior, we can go to heaven and then not have to suffer any evil in our lives for eternity. But when you get older, you try and understand things. You try and come to terms with things. You try and work God out. Yeah, but all of these people that came for, all these clever people, all these scientists that say the Bible doesn't exist. Why do we believe them more than we believe the writer of this book? Oh yeah, well scientists say, hey, at one point, scientists thought that the world was flat. And there's still crackpots out there that think the world is flat. Why do we believe scientists more than we believe God? Because the advice just seems easier. The path of least resistance. We take the wrong advice. If we align ourselves with the wrong people, there's going to be consequences. As believers, we won't be taken out of the book of life, but we'll certainly affect our fellowship with the one who put our names in there. If you are unsaved, and you align yourself with the world, you take advice from the world, then your name will be blotted out of this book and will never find its way into this book. Do you know him as your saviour? If you don't, then you need to know him before it's too late. If you do know him as your savior, then don't follow the wrong advice. Don't align yourself with the world because it doesn't have the answers. There's always a consequence. There's always an aftermath when we make the wrong decisions. When we allow the wrong people to control our actions, when we take the wrong advice, when we align ourselves with the wrong people, listen to the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not under your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Do you know him as your savior? If you don't, you need to put that right today. If you do, stop listening to the wrong people. Listen to the Lord. Father, we thank you again for this day, for this time together, and for this opportunity to come around you a word. We just pray that you would help us, Lord, in, in this aspect of our life where sometimes we feel like we need help. And maybe when we pray, we don't feel like we're getting the answer that we need. So we turn then to the wrong people. And Father, I'm thankful for the fact that when Joseph was in that prison, he didn't turn to advice from the prison guards. He didn't turn to advice... Uh, from, from Potiphar's house, he just turned to you and trusted you. Father, we might not always see the palace as it were, but we know the end result. If our name is written in that Lamb's book of life, then we know the heavenly home that awaits us. And that glimmer of hope enables us to get through the pit, enables us to get through the prison, enables us to get through Potiphar's house, 
the temptations that this world throws at us. So Lord, help us to take your advice. Help us to align ourselves with the Holy Spirit and your scripture so that there wouldn't be an aftermath, a consequence that is disastrous in our life. But we'll know that there is something far better waiting for us further on in our journey ahead. So Father, we just prayed you would help us. We ask all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We'll sing our last hymn together, just as I am. And we'll sing verse 1, verse 4, and verse 7. 1, 4, and 7. Jamie, close us in a word of prayer. Thank you, Jamie.